Have we recorded more away from each other than together? We're pretty close. We recorded 1 through 13 together. Four, wow. Number 14 was the first one we recorded separately. We're so close. I wasn't sure. Wow. I that know. is crazy. I well, know. And sad. And sad. And on that happy note, uh, welcome to What the Hell. Uh, episode 24. That's we're right. uh, excited to have you here today. Um, we're going to talk about a topic. Um, well, let me just put this way. We're going to dive right in. We're going to talk about a topic that's very different than last week. We went from shopping to talking about, I was going to say fundamentalism. I guess it's kind of a little bit of that, but really just what we grew up believing and what we're taught, what we were taught in church. Um, we did an episode a few, I don't, what, what episode would it have been? I don't even know at this Let's point. See, it was some time ago. Uh, I think 12, it was number 14, 11 and 12, 11 and 12 part series. So we did back, back in episode 11 and 12, quite some time ago, pre the world falling apart. Um, <laughs> we talked about kind of a few episodes where we just talked about all the fun things we grew up with in church, things like youth group and puppet shows and human videos and all kinds of things it was a great so, time so much communion grape juice so much communion grape juice love the weird crackers that dissolve in your mouth it's just it's great <laughs> so if you haven't listened to those they're a good time but we talked in those episodes about actually diving into what we believe now since this whole podcast was kind of inspired by the fact that we wanted to break down what the hell is life about? What the hell do we believe? All those things. We're not going to tell you yeah. what we believe now in this podcast. You're going to have to stay tuned for two weeks from now. It's not the day. Not the day. But <laughs> um, we haven't specifically talked about what we were taught to believe in that specific denomination, which is the Assemblies of God. So this episode is going to be our best attempt to give you the facts, to bring you some information about the denomination assemblies of god and also our personal experiences with it with as little um snarkiness as possible there might be a little bit here and there we wouldn't be authentic if we were not we, being a little we snarky. would not be us Brittany, if there was not a <laughs> moment of snark yes so stay tuned you're gonna have some good stuff coming up here agree and you're Brittany, and i yes i am Brittany, and you are tiffany Nice to nice to see your face, girl. It's just nice to know you. It is nice to know you. I love what a our pleasure. I love I love our friendship. I love our <laughs> FaceTimes that take like two or three hours before we start the podcast to catch up on life, you know. It's so true. My boyfriend's always like, Oh, you're podcasting tonight. See you tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> Accurate. I know. It's whatever. Hashtag worth it. Do we still say things like that? Or does that like super make me a millennial, which basically is the same thing as a boomer now? I, I know. I actually told Curtis yesterday, I was like, what were we watching? And it was like somebody was saying the word pound instead of hashtag on whatever oh, it was. Funny. And I was like, our kids are not going to know if you're like pound, blah, blah, blah. No. They don't know what that means. It's a hashtag. That's like... The, yeah. yeah. Well, there's lots of recordings now where you call and it's like the automated thing and they say, use the pound or hashtag key. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I, my dream, I think, is to be one of those operators. I think you'd be. I think you'd kill it. I'd make it hot. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> like you said, we talked about some of the fun stuff before. Um... But we should probably tell them, Brittany, you mentioned, we grew up in the Assemblies of God. Yeah. 
And the reason we grew up in it, some people are just like, it's an accident. But for us. <laughs> or it's a choice. Our parents. Or a choice. But it, I guess it was an accident for us, truly. But regardless, my dad was a pastor within the denomination. Your dad was a pastor, is a pastor, and mm-hmm. was a longtime missionary within the specific organization of the Assemblies of God. Yes. So we kind of want to preface this saying we're not historians, um, what we're going to talk about <laughs> in this, a lot of it comes directly from the Assemblies of God website. A lot of it comes directly from Wikipedia, um, which is very reliable. And I don't mean that as a jokey way. It's extremely reliable these days. Mm-hmm. Um, and we are passing these things along to you guys. Yeah. So um, don't take anything, you know, like maybe you grew up in the Assemblies of God and you're like, well, we weren't that way. That's probably very true because things vary from church to church. Yeah. Um, pastor to pastor, you know, city to city and location to location across the world, too, because the Assemblies of God is a worldwide organization. Yeah. Um, so we just kind of want to preface that, that these are some of the basic tenets that we're pulling from places and our experiences we'll talk about, but you might have experienced something a little different. Yeah, because I mean, the thing is like this, I, I feel like both of our parents, you know, we went to school or basically signed up to be an Assemblies of God minister at some point. They were given a recipe to follow. This is our core beliefs. This is what we're going to discuss. But just like any recipe, you know, every chocolate chip cookie dough recipe is not the same. <laughs> and every... You got to put salt on some of them. Exactly. So you, you, everybody changes it up. And I think that there's obviously the, the basic core beliefs, but... There may be things in one church or another that was like emphasized more or not even hit on at all. It doesn't mean they wouldn't believe it. You just may not have been exposed to it as much. Or maybe they hit all of them and they were very diligent about following the recipe to the teeth. So um, just giving you all the, what, caveats, the prefacing everything. Disclaimer. Disclaiming everything. FBI warnings. Yes, all of the above. We've all um, stolen a VHS tape or two in our lives. Yes. Uh, so let's just count this as similar. So yeah. I feel like we should, should we do definitions? Yeah. I feel like we have to set it up, you know, so they understand yeah. what we're talking about. And if you did grow up Assemblies of God and you know all of this, then just stay tuned. Just stay put for a yeah. little bit and hear us explain your upbringing as well. Totally. Grade our papers. How's that? <laughs> You'd be like, actually. Yes. Um, push those glasses up on your nose. Yeah. Okay, well, speaking of definitions, but before we jump into that, let's kind of define, I guess, a a sentence that would define the Assemblies of God. And so the Assemblies of God is a Protestant, meaning non-Catholic, evangelical denomination of Christian churches with a Pentecostal focus. That is a lot of words, a lot of many-syllable words, but we are going to explain all of that to you here shortly. So take it away, Tiffany. Girl. (laughs) love i love a sentence with that many syllables you know it's very satisfying huh yeah it is i am here for that (laughs) uh okay so let's break it down we're gonna go kind of from like the biggest umbrella to the smallest umbrella Mm -hmm. um what is the difference between a protestant and an evangelical a protestant in general this is like the simplest way to put it a protestant is a christian non-catholic 
So if you're not part of the Roman Catholic Church, you are a Protestant if you're a Christian. Yeah. So Protestantism is simply the state of being Protestant against the Roman Catholic Church, whereas evangelicalism includes Protestantism, but it stresses the importance of personal conversion. So the point of being an evangelical is to get other people saved. Yes. That's what we're trying to do. (laughs) (laughs) Amen, Sister Brittany. Oh, yes. Oh, man. You'd be Sister McConnell. Oh, man. Oh, Sister Sister McConnell. McConnell. (laughs) And then you hit a certain age, and then they start calling you by your first name. I don't know what that's about. (laughs) Sister Wendy. Sister Martha. I don't know. (laughs) So a Protestant may not be an evangelical, but an evangelical is always a Protestant. Correct. Take notes. Okay. Uh, So a Protestant does not necessarily have the need to go out and evangelize and try to get other people to be saved. They just personally are saved, I guess, and followers of Jesus. But that's not necessarily their mission. So Protestant, evangelical, one is the other. The other is not necessarily the one. Yes. You got it. So speaking of evangelical, since the Sons of God would be defined as evangelical church... And an evangelical church is any of the classical Protestant churches um, or their offshoots. There's going to be all kinds of different ones. You may be a part of one as you're listening, but we're specifically obviously talking about Sundays of God. In the late 20th century, churches that stress the preaching of the gospel of Jesus Christ, personal conversion experiences, scripture as the sole basis for faith, and active evangelism which is the winning of personal commitments to Christ, which I know this is all a lot. We're going to go into the details of what these mean, um, but just basically committing yourself to Christ, which is kind of what she was talking about a minute ago about salvation. So Right, and that's when that all emerged was yeah. like 100 years ago. Yeah. Um, yes, okay, so that's evangelical, which is an E, e I was going to say an umbrella. <laughs> evangelicalism is an umbrella to Pentecostalism. So the idea of Pentecostalism um, is like a Christian movement that emphasizes baptism in the Holy Spirit, Mm -hmm. which the Holy Spirit is one of the three bodies or entities of the Trinity. Um, So when you're baptized in the Holy Spirit, it's evidenced by speaking in tongues, prophecy, healing, and... One definition said exorcism, but as we talked about in an old episode, exorcism is pretty Catholic. Yeah, it's a that pretty word. Catholic word, and yeah. it means the same thing. But like what we would say in the Assemblies of God, typically is the casting out of demons. Yeah, yeah. So that's what Pentecostalism is under Evangelicalism, and then from there we have um, another word, which is denomination. So the Assemblies of God is a denomination, and a religious denomination is a subgroup within a religion that operates under a common name, a common name, tradition, and identity. So similar to when we talked about the recipe. So the uh, Assemblies of God is an organization within the larger denomination of Pentecostalism, which is evangelical, which is Christian, which is Protestant. Are you still with me here? (laughs) Can I get a witness? Do you like commas? Yes. Okay. That was great, Brittany. I am like zoned in on this. I love a flow chart. Yes. (laughs) <laughs> you would love our documents that we have laid out for today. We, we uh, Tiffany said earlier, 
we would kill at a group project back in the day if only we knew each other in like middle school or high school I mean I know I'm like what can we do in life right now to get a grade together oh I guess (laughs) let's do a podcast yeah okay so every church denomination has core beliefs and it's kind of like when you think of like a company with a mission statement they say like this is what makes us who we are this is what makes us different from the other ones this is what makes us right (laughs) I apologize okay so uh we said we weren't gonna be whatever no no apologies (laughs) you still have to have personality with all of these Uh, definitions you know this is what makes us right okay so (laughs) among its core beliefs you know these types of things with these mission statements and documents and whatever they can get quite long but we kind of narrowed it down to what makes the ag ag which the ag also did for themselves and when i say the ag that stands for assemblies of god Yes. I should also say, which I guess is kind of a given, but in our lives growing up, the AG, just that that phrase mm-hmm. is just a part of our That's, fabric. Nobody says the Assemblies of God. It's just too long. It's so too it's long. So it's the AG church, the AG whatever. Yeah, yeah AG everything. So um, we want to kind of explain what some of the core beliefs are. And these are things that we were taught to believe growing up and did believe growing up maybe some of it we still do you're gonna have to stay tuned for another episode to find out Uh so (laughs) the biggest core thing of the ag is the idea of salvation yeah and to salvation is the idea of being saved from one's own sin and the world through jesus christ specifically yes And the idea is he died on the cross and, you know, he atoned for our sins because we never could. He took on the blame of everything we've ever done and ever will do as long as we essentially ask and request his forgiveness, God's forgiveness. Yeah. So, salvation, Brittany. How old were you when you got saved? Um, I believe I was about, I I would say five. Um, I don't have like a vivid memory of it but I do believe that it happened um on a Wednesday night which if a little background would be you know you have church in our world on like a Sunday morning Sunday night then there was always a midweek service which would be like youth group or when you were really young they had things called uh missionettes or royal rangers and these were basically programs that kids um went through that really taught them all of these core beliefs and Bible stories, memorizing things. And so in that, I believe I accepted Jesus into my heart, said the, uh, what is that? The sinner's prayer? Yeah. The sinner's prayer. Yeah. The sinner's prayer. Um, and yeah, I, I think that is when it happened. I was, I will say that back then, you know, we've again, have been very snarky in past episodes talking about fear and things based in fear. When you're five years old, it was basically just a decision to join um, kind of a group thing. And so I thought that was the right thing to do. That's what I did. And yeah, what do you, what is your memory of – it was kind of a rite of passage. That was the word I was looking for. It was kind of a rite of passage yeah. is how I look at it. That's Yeah, that's really interesting. It's totally cultural, societal, you know, to, to your family situation and everything. And yeah. Same for me. My mom always told me that like I was her late one because I'm one of four kids and they all got saved at three and I did not get saved until five. I held out. (laughs) 
over. I thought you were going to say like 11 or something. No. What if I did? Can you imagine a pastor's daughter who's 11 years old? It's like, she's still not safe. Yeah. I'm good. I'm good. She's Three a late and then bloomer. 11. Yeah. Three and 11. Yeah. Hilarious. No, she's I was super five. Stubborn. Yeah. I was, but I, I do remember being stubborn. And I remember what it was, was we were having... I guess I had gotten old enough and we were having communion that Sunday, which we always had once a month. And that particular Sunday, my mom told me I couldn't have communion unless I was part of the body of Christ. Really? Mm-hmm. So she was like, do you want to take communion? And I was like, hell yeah, I want that cracker and that juice. <laughs> I am five years old. Yeah. <laughs> this is yeah. not a tough sell. So anyway, yeah. I again – bring it back she took me out of the main congregation room into like the little side room and was like well she explained it to me she broke it down for me well taking communion is part of like a ritual that we do that is a public you know proclamation of your faith in Jesus and it's an atonement for your sins and you know do you want to ask Jesus into your heart and I remember feeling like shy about it but I did it and I went yeah. back inside and I had my communion. <laughs> and forevermore, she would tell people I was the late one because I was five. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my goodness. That's crazy. Um, I was always kind of proud of that in a weird, like, rebel way. Like, <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Well, then, I guess with, like, you know, you have asking Jesus into your heart, um, being saved, as we would say. But the other thing that... I know I did, and I was going to ask you about it, is did you, were you then water baptized at any point? Yeah, so that is another big thing. That's another, like, major tenet of the Assemblies of God, too. I was water baptized when I was 10. Okay. I was 10 years old, and I always thought it was so cool because I got, I lived in Key West at the time, and I got baptized on the line that um, meets the Atlantic Ocean with the Gulf of Mexico. Oh, you had like an outdoor one. Oh, yes. Fancy. We lived in Key West. So they would take everybody down. We'd have church on the beach and baptisms on the beach. And I got baptized in, um, yeah, the ocean. And it's pretty sick. Not going to lie. And then we played beach volleyball. <laughs> I'm serious. Way to celebrate. Yeah. Um, yeah, I was you? actually, I believe I was also 10. I was 10 okay. or 11, but I think I had just turned 10. Uh, we actually had come back to the States for like just a few weeks for a family wedding and my grandfather was pastoring the church that he still pastors in Florida and I don't even remember making the decision or why I'm sure I I, I don't know I don't know if I was asked if I wanted to do it or if I brought it up but um yeah my grandfather baptized me at that church the same church I got married at and um which basically to give you any background on this is like you know in say like at a catholic church uh, a baby a baby might be christened you know when they're tiny and at in the assemblies of god when you're a baby, you might be dedicated to the church, which is its own. Th it's not really what we're talking about today, but just giving a comparison. When you're baptized in water, it's supposed to be like one more proclamation, like a public stand to tell the church or the people in your church that you've accepted Jesus into your heart and that you're kind of sharing it with them. Right. Which is another like rite of passage as well, but it's really yeah. like important, you know, in the Christian church that like they, you know, the prayer in and of itself, I guess, counts. <laughs> yeah. But the, the public proclamation is kind of like licking the envelope. And sealing yes. it shut. Yes. It was kind of and how. 
But the problem, yeah. okay, so okay, so one more thing on that though. There's another thing in the Pentecostal Church and in the Assemblies of God, which is baptism in the Holy Spirit, yeah, which is like a next level. So let's say you have an envelope and you're mailing somebody a card. Cool. Yes. The card is in the envelope. Then you get saved. That's putting the card in the envelope. Then you lick the envelope shut. That's just like regular water baptism. But then you're buying like a nice papyrus card. So it comes with that gold sticker. Mm-hmm. And you're going to put that. Okay. You're going to put that little gold <laughs> sticker on the envelope. It's like next level of security. That's what baptism in the Holy Spirit is to an Assemblies of God person. <laughs> Did you follow? Yes, I did follow. Okay, so baptism in the Holy Spirit is um, when the third part of the Trinity, so there's God, the Father, Jesus, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, which if you're from the South, we call him the Holy Ghost. It's way cooler. Oh, yes. I forgot about the difference. It's like Pepsi or pop and soda or whatever it is. Totally. We say Holy Ghost. So the Holy Ghost um, comes upon you and it is evidenced in a few different ways, the most significant of which is the idea of speaking in tongues, which is essentially a spirit language where you should not and probably do not know exactly what you are saying, but there's someone else in the congregation or that body of worshipers who would interpret for you. Um, so until you are baptized in the Holy Spirit or the Holy Ghost, um, you haven't quite like received the Pentecost, mm. which I believe is in Acts in the Bible. I think um, so. And this is really specific to the Pentecostal church because there's other denominations like the Baptist church specifically doesn't believe that Pentecost is for modern day. They yeah. believed it was for then and it was fine for them, but it's not a thing anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's really like a divergence within the church yes so we definitely grew up with a lot of that baptism in the holy spirit stuff yeah and speaking in tongues is just one of it's like one of the biggest ones obviously in assemblies of god but there's also things like Mm -hmm. um being slain in the spirit and that literally means that someone would be filled with the holy spirit maybe prayed over filled with the holy spirit and literally fall over is maybe the best way to describe it usually fall backwards i've seen people fall forwards right it's like incapacitated Incapacitated, in a a religious sense almost where like you no longer in the presence of god can maintain standing yes and then there's things like um other people are giving given gifts you know when they're filled with the holy spirit they have the gift of prophecy or gift of healing which will will come up in in a little bit here too what people might know us from like or what's a better way of saying that like when you finally tell someone you're trying to describe the assemblies of god you can be like oh we believe this and salvation but then when you describe like oh we're the ones that speak in tongues or they fall over people like oh okay it's like uh, something clicks where they understand because it seems to set us apart from other people other denominations that may believe very similarly but don't practice this part of their that's not a part of their belief system essentially i don't know if that makes sense totally Um, Well, it makes sense to me. Yeah. (laughs) Do you have a Holy Spirit experience that you want to share? Yeah. So I never was authentically filled with the Holy Ghost in the sense of speaking in tongues. Okay. I desperately wanted to for the purpose of if it was real experiencing it. And secondly, like that 
almost like fitting in. It almost creates like a hierarchy, I think, within uh, that church where it's like, oh, that person speaks in tongues, this person doesn't, things like that. <laughs> um, and I never honestly did. I I don't even know if we should talk about this this week, but I – 100% faked it a couple times and thought I was going to get like struck by lightning. Oh, so same. I faked it a couple times. I was definitely slain in the spirit several times. And I think at different times, I thought it, I thought it was like the real deal. You know, we went to a lot of revivals growing up. So if you guys are, if you, whether you're familiar with revivals or not, it's a really like, it's almost like a church conference where the purpose of them is definitely evangelizing, but like the healing thing, the, you know, Holy Ghost thing. Um, the purpose is for like a major emotional and sometimes physical response to a spiritual situation, you know, like you're not there, like, it's not like school. You're not there to learn something necessarily. You're there to experience and feel something. A hundred percent. And people know that going into it, like they're going for that reason. Yeah, totally. And it's like awesome like yeah if you've ever been to a revival and we went to them a lot when I was a kid I was a small child um and we would drive to them and I remember just being like oh it's kind of cool being human like look at all this stuff we do yeah <laughs> I don't know I don't know yeah. but I just remember it, it's it's all the feels of something it's like an so emotional you, high it absolutely is yeah, yeah it's like a serotonin dopamine dump yeah um so that's my experience. I definitely faked it a few times. What about you? Um, I definitely um, agree. I did the same thing. I don't have a, I mean, I grew up hearing my parents, specifically my mom, speak in tongues and trying to understand, you know, what that meant. And I, you know, definitely feeling that urge of like wanting to have that affect my body and naturally do it and always fighting with the emotion of, am I making myself do this? Is everybody else feeling the same way? Maybe this is how it works. Is that like God is working through me to make myself do this? Like I was always, I was torn at a very young age about what was happening in my brain. I was just very conscious of what I felt like I was supposed to be like almost unconscious of. Um, So my God, Brittany, that is the most perfect (laughs) articulation of that is I always thought I was supposed to, it was supposed to unconsciously happen and I was never not conscious of what was, what I was feeling. Totally. That, I mean, that's how I, I I don't have a memory of not feeling that way in those moments. And so I think from a very young age, I was always kind of questioning what the experience was supposed to feel like. And I definitely, um, spoke in tongues. I don't know that it was real. I thought at the time, maybe it was, I'm not sure. Um, I definitely made myself fall over when I was trying to be slain in the spirit. There was even moments in youth group where there was, um, and I even remember this being like 10, 11 years old, where there was like a laughter movement where yep. everybody would just like Same, be I was nine. Es- essentially like filled with the Holy Spirit and would literally be like laying all over the church laughing, um, seemingly like forever. Um, and I'm trying to be as like non-judgy of these times because at the time it all felt, it was confusing. It was confusing even back then, but it's what you were surrounded by. So, um, definitely was around it a lot. The Holy Spirit was a very dominant part of what I was taught to believe and what the churches, 
um, try to encourage as an experience like every Sunday or Wednesday or whatever. So totally. Yeah. And like a big part of that too was especially during these revival times was another major tenet of the assemblies of God is the idea of divine healing, which Mm -hmm. was not always um, like forefront of every church. It wasn't forefront for mine. Mm -hmm. And it, you know, from the conversations we have had before, it doesn't sound like it was always forefront of yours either but at revivals it often would come up as being like a forefront situation where people would come there literally you know seeking I have cancer I have you know arthritis I can't walk I'm in a wheelchair I have all these things um, and they're literally seeking healing and that is based on the biblical stories of Jesus healing you know the blind the disabled the sick all these different you know raising the dead yeah um so that's a major tenant um it it was not something I ever like witnessed supposedly happening that I recall even though we went to a lot of Benny Hinn and like Rodney Howard Brown stuff yeah um, were yeah major um players possibly questionable things there which again don't need to get into now but like yeah, I I may or may not have witnessed things. I I don't know. Well, you witnessed something. It just may I not have been something. what you thought you did. Yeah, I think there's just a lot to that, and that kind of goes into also what we may believe now um, now versus then. But let's say somebody was almost in quotes healed or or to healed in some way. Um, was it God? Was it coincidence? Was it I don't know. Who knows? Yeah. Um, and and also not even to get into all of this, and I'm not going to name names right now because I can't recall them, um, <laughs> but there are major, you know, past actual like scandals of complete faking yes. of this yes. where, I mean, there was one evangelist who would hold revivals and like his wife was literally in his earpiece working oh, yeah. with plants in the church, working with them to completely fake things and you know there was money involved in all sorts of things so that's not what this is about but um well and somebody who's listening who may be (laughs) in assemblies of god like our parents um (laughs) like hi mom and dad (laughs) like hi mom and dad but i will say like yes those things exist there's a lot of like corruption as there is in the world and a lot of things and so I could see someone at this point interjecting and being like well we're not all like that it's not all that way and I'm like I'm not I'm no 100% not going to say that it is that way it does exist though and it just puts into question certain things um when when I look back on memories and try to understand like I don't personally know anybody that I feel like I could say was like miraculously healed. I saw some things at Benny Hinn, but I can barely remember a lot of that stuff. So, mm-hmm. and I think like one of the other things about the healing is just that as a denomination, we believe in prayer to, and that prayer actually does work. And so that when it comes to healing, that when people are asking, you know, we t- I think this came up in our very first podcast or something where uh, you were struggling with 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 what Gilligan was going through and him having cancer and just yeah. talking about like people saying things like well I'll pray for you and it's like become kind of a you know just like saying hey how are you it's just like another phrase but people really believe that like if they pray things really will happen um except for when like, they don't except for when they don't yeah <laughs> so. yeah so 
that's that. And then the last thing I'll touch on for now is like another major tenet of the Assemblies of God is the idea of the second coming of Christ. And what that is, is, you know, Jesus died on the cross for our sins to save us from ourselves and from evil and from the enemy. And then he was raised from the dead, um, which was, you know, symbolic and literally him beating evil. And then he went to the right hand of God to prepare a place for us when we die. Um, and the idea of the second coming of Christ is that he is going to come back to earth to essentially place judgment and raise up, you know, the people who have followed him and accepted him to come to heaven and place judgment on the wickedness of those and, you know, remaining on the earth and what remains on the earth with a whole reign and there's, you know, read the book of revelation if for no other reason, because it is like intense. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah. it is intense, but this stuff is in there. And the idea that we are preparing for the end times and things like that are huge, huge focus of the assemblies of God. Very much so. And it's been something that like, so assemblies of God in itself is only a hundred years old, but people in other denominations talking about the return of Christ or that being a possibility that's been around since I mean literally since Jesus since he left yeah since he (laughs) left so I mean I remember learning about this at I had like a very traumatic experience at like a church camp or some some kind of like weekend conference where I think I was like 11 and they played us one of those terrible um rapture movie ones mm-hmm. um not the not the left behind it's the old one that i was telling you about that essentially explained you know if you don't accept jesus into your heart and are not saved that like you know you're gonna live on the earth and there's, there's the mark of the beast and all this like crazy scare scary mm-hmm. stuff that i had never heard before and it's like essentially every every generation has thought jesus is coming back in their time and the end times and i'm sure with coronavirus people are thinking that too. I've seen lots of posts of that. Um, but it's, so it's something that is very important to our denomination, but it's also something that's like been around for a long time about preparing for a place that's not here on earth, but in heaven and for when Jesus returns and hoping it'll be in their lifetime, you know? Right. And like, that's why one of the reasons that evangelism is so important to this church is because you essentially don't want to get caught with your pants down. Like you don't want to get, you don't want Jesus to come back and you not have accepted him because if you don't accept him before he comes back, you are going to be stuck in this time of trial and tribulation where you're going to be wrecked like your whole life financially physically socially politically like all these things are going to go through really really horrible times so we're trying to save each other so that we all get taken up in the rapture yeah and don't have to endure that yeah and our denomination also i don't actually know i feel like this might be one of those recipe things where it depends on the church that you ask or pastor but our denomination doesn't believe once saved, always saved, which also has to do with the rapture is like, I remember growing up thinking like, I would just need to say the Lord's prayer, the sinner's prayer, like all the time, just in case, like yeah. ask Jesus into my heart. What if he came today and I did something bad? And I, maybe that's not what they're trying to make everybody feel, but that was definitely like a part of my upbringing. Honestly, it's something that'll still pop into my head every once in a while, like going around a steep curve on a mountain and I'm like... Not sure what I believe. We'll talk about it next week. But like, should I say the sinner's <laughs> prayer one more time? You know? Well, it's, I think, oh my God counts. 
Yeah, I think, oh, then I'm good. Then we're safe. She's a sick. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. Um, no, totally. I remember being, like, 12 or 13 years old and going to my friend's church with her, and she went to a Baptist church where, like, everything about it was, like, the same as mine, except there's no speaking in tongues, and they believed once saved, always saved. And I was like, then what the hell are you doing here? Like, yeah. why are you coming here? <laughs> why are you coming here every week? Because I thought I had to come here every week to get saved again. Yeah. yeah. Oh, oh, God. Okay. Um, okay. Yeah. But wait, there's more. But wait, there's more. Um, <laughs> I'm going to list a couple more things about the Assemblies of God that are kind of core beliefs, tenets. Um, so another one is that the Bible is inspired by God, which is not an uncommon thing to believe as a Christian, and but that it is infallible. And, you know, this is something that I think the the older and older I got, the more I struggled with this, just because you start to go, but wait, it was written by humans. But um, that's what we, we kind of chose to believe in a very literal interpretation of the gospel. I think some of that is changing in some churches as things have progressed more and more. Um, and as we've learned more and more about the history of where scripture, how scripture was written. But as a whole, that's a, a pretty important uh, core belief from the Assemblies of God. Right. And something about the thing with infallible, too, is you got to keep in mind, it's not saying that it, it's not saying the Bible is correct. It's saying that the Bible is incapable of not being correct. Exactly. That's what infallible means. Yeah. It's like it could never, it, it, there's nothing about it that could be wrong. Nothing. Which is a very strong statement. <laughs> huge statement and we have quite literally found that that is wrong and yes. <laughs> translation matters yes um, exactly. anyway just wanted to infallible i feel like is one of those words that we mostly use in religious senses there's other places it's like infallible it's like either with the bible or like over-the-counter makeup brands yeah <laughs> <laughs> who makes infallible is it like covergirl or estee lauder I, I or something it sounds like it <laughs> <laughs> yeah incapable of being wrong well exactly oh that's great yeah um another one that tiffany actually mentioned this earlier it kind of it probably would have made sense to kind of explain this at the top but basically we believe that we don't believe in just god we believe in the trinity which is god god the father jesus the son and the Holy Spirit. And not like, oh, these are an interchangeable name, but as as in they are all unique to themselves with different roles, and yet they to all together make up one. So we ask Jesus into our hearts. He's the one that came to save us, came to earth to die on the cross for our sins. The Holy Spirit is what comes into us if you accept him into, I don't know if you want to say accept him into your body, but you sort of like want to be filled with the Holy Spirit, and then there's God, God the Father. So Yeah, and the Holy Spirit, too, was also the manifestation of, like, once Jesus left the earth, the Holy Spirit was, like, kind of sent here to, like, hang out and take care of us until he comes back. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, and then probably the last and very large uh, belief we will mention, there are also, you're, you're welcome to go to ag.org and view all of their... Um, other beliefs but the last one I'll say is to seek and save all of those who are lost in sin which is essentially why it is which means evangelizing which is why it's an evangelical church Um, and basically like not knowing Jesus in and of itself 
is a sin. If you if you've heard the name of Jesus and not accepted him into your life, then you know, that's a decision to look away from Jesus and is essentially a sin and you're choosing a life without him. And I mean, that essentially is why my parents are missionaries or our parents were pastors is that they decided to make their career a form of basically a career of evangelizing and equipping people to then for them to go out and evangelize and essentially be missionaries wherever they live where whether it's at school or at church or wherever like your mission field is here exactly (laughs) your mission field one thing I was going to comment just like personally is I think that also I don't know if you heard this in your church growing up but there was a lot of talk about like the calling on your life and like what were you called to do and there was always some way that that was inter that interweaved with how can you evangelize in whatever you choose to do? And hopefully it's something in the ministry. I don't know that people would directly say that, but that was kind of like what people would hope for. And if it wasn't, like say you were going to be something else, how are you going to infiltrate that community and that society with evangelism? So if you're going to go be a teacher, how are you going to – is subversively the right word? I don't know. How are you – yeah, how are you going to convert children in, you know, a legal way? Like how are you going to be Jesus for those children? How are – you know, whatever the case may be. If you're going to be a post office worker, if you're going to be – you know, a lawyer, how all these things, how are you going to spread the gospel in the role that you take? Yeah. Whatever but that But in may a be. way that like it isn't – and I think the part that's like I want to make sure we hit home is that it's not just like let's talk about Jesus. You might say that's planting the seed and somebody else might come along and water it as they may say. But like the whole point of it was that it, it was converting people to be followers of Jesus and actually saying the sinner's prayer. Like every church service, most of the time, I feel like it's gotten a little more lenient over the years and and depends on the church you go to. But almost every Sunday, there'd be a time at the end of the service where there's an altar call or there's a time where you raise your hand if you want to accept Jesus into your heart. And then there's a prayer that they say and you either repeat out loud or say in your heart or whatever. And that's like... The full circle is conversion into becoming, I don't even want to say like Christian. It's like, yeah, follower of Christ. Follower of Christ, yeah. And like having your life, you know, your soul like sealed for heaven essentially. Um, And that's where those differentiations in the interpretation of the Bible come in, which is really interesting if we believe the Bible is infallible, that we could have a different interpretation, is it not? Um, I agree. (laughs) So that's where different interpretations come in though, where it's like, okay, you know, you prayed the sinner's prayer, you asked Jesus into your heart, are you saved forever? Are you not? And, you know, different, you know, there's different belief systems there. Um, but I, we we were trained to evangelize, man. We were trained, and I don't know what it was within me that was always so uncomfortable with it. I remember getting kits, Brittany. There would be these full-blown oh, yeah. kits with folders and documents and strategies, um, scripts, how to say What were those things. little pamphlets called? Tracks. Um, tracks, yeah. Yeah. The ones I mean, that look like a million-dollar bill, but then they uh-huh. look closer, and it's all about Jesus. <laughs> yeah. Or the ones that are like, yeah, they're like flip books. I don't know. Yeah. Um, some of them had things like, this is the script, and this is the candy you give them when you say this script. 
Mm. Wow. Things like that. I could never bring myself to do it, but I remember um, going to like a youth seminar and things like that, conventions, and they would, you know, give you this whole thing, and then you would have to like sign a certificate that says you're going to do it. And yeah. this is how you'll do it. And you'll do it by these dates. And you always like turn this stuff in. And I've always been um, the type of person. I'm very loyal. I'm very like I'm reliable. I follow through. If I say I'm going to do something to do it, I follow the rules. Mm-hmm. And it, it, it felt like the biggest rule of my life was that like God was watching me. I signed it. I said I was going to do it. Now, why haven't I done it yet? Yeah. I remember. Because it was like the ultimate sales thing. It's it was like, it was like a pyramid scheme. Yeah. <laughs> it was like now here's your tracts. You take these and distribute these. And I just remember um, feeling so guilty about it that I ended up leaving stuff like all over my high school, mm. like just left them around. Yeah. Most of my childhood was spent in South Africa, which the whole point of it was being missionaries, which was to go help then spread the gospel to the people in South Africa and and help make more followers of Jesus in that way and equip people and all those things. So speed the light. Speed the light. Yes. If you know what we're talking about, you're you're on the inside. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean that's kind of like I know not cliff notes, but like that's kind of our best cliff notes version of what we grew up believing. There's so many more things. There's so many more details. It's hard to cover all of it, but we wanted to make sure there was a reference point so that next week when we do talk about what we believe or do not believe now and why, we don't have to like continuously reference like all of these definitions and details. We can kind of just talk about this part or that part. Right. Um, so hopefully they give you a little bit of insight on on everything. If yeah. you do have questions though, like please let us know because – we're, we're teaching this for the first time so yeah and I will say too like if you're gonna grow up like super Christian like this is one of the more fun ways sure minus minus the pressure of the evangelizing that we just talked about Pentecostalism surprisingly to me I found this in research is the fastest growing sect of Protestantism in the world even now now wow which surprises me and it may have peaked at some point it may have peaked at some point in terms of its actual followership I don't know that but I do know that it's the fastest growing of all of the Protestant denominations and I think that part of that might have something to do with how emotionally reactive it is um and I think that's something we're seeking all the time I think that's why people who grew up you know evangelical Protestant uh Pentecostal charismatic whatever the case may be if they don't stay inside the faith, which statistically most people, if they leave their faith, come back to it later in life. Just a hot tip. Also something I learned. But um, I think that's why when if they leave this type of Christianity, they seek other things that are highly emotionally responsive, whether it's meditation or drugs mm-hmm. or, you know, just like these things that make you really feel something versus learn something um learning is obviously always going to be part of it but I think I think that might have something to do with it and that is completely my opinion no and (laughs) I agree and like again not to dive into what we'll talk about next week but like I think if you've listened to any of our episodes or even the very first one you know that we both currently don't go to church right now um 
and that would be the one thing that I miss a lot from it is that emotional mm-hmm. experience. And so that totally makes sense. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like searching those out and why it might be easier to find alternative methods to satisfy that. Right. To have the same, I don't know, hormonal uptake. Yeah. That you yeah. have when you're in that situation, man. There's still certain, like, um, church songs I can hear. I'm not just bursting into tears right now. Yeah. Oh, I totally, I totally understand what you're talking about. Yeah. Right now. Yeah. So, I don't know. Like, if I heard Rodney Howard Brown pray over somebody right now, is he even still alive? I don't know. But if I did, <laughs> I'd, you I might be slain in the spirit. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just saying. Yeah. I'm just saying. Well, speaking of Rodney Howard Brown... Um, who, believe it or not, was not my favorite of them all. My favorite was Jesse Duplantis. And if you know who that is, then you know. Do you know who that is? I know the name, but I don't yeah. know like oh, much girl. else about him other than the name. He's on TV and everything. He was just very like charismatic and very like um he was very animated and he was very like cheeky. Like he always had something mm. like spitfire to say. And I loved that when I was a kid. And now if I watched him, I think I would die. But, um, <laughs> and also was he still alive? Who knows if I these people are still alive? <laughs> I don't know. But, um, the assemblies of God took off in such a way when it came around in the early 1900s that there have been a lot of famous people and yeah. well-known people who have been members or raised in the Assemblies of God. And some of them are quite interesting. Some of them are just famous within the Assemblies of God world, but they're notable. Mm -hmm. And then some are just like famous, famous, like regular famous. Yeah. So we got to dive in. So somebody who is, yes, but there is more. (laughs) Jim and Tammy Faye Baker, they Mm -hmm. are the creators of the PTL Club, which is the Praise the Lord Club. (laughs) Um, Brittany and I still text each other PTL all the time. You know, you, once once you learn something like that, you can't unlearn it. You cannot unlearn PTL. And you know what? Teach it to a friend. Start using PTL. It's like the new blessed. And by yes. new, I mean really old. Um, so they're the creators of the PTL club, the Praise the Lord club. And later, um, after Jim Baker had a whole scandal, which go look that up, Jim Baker scam, scandal. And it's Baker with two Ks. Um Tammy Faye was like this major, like elaborate makeup woman, very, um, very eccentric, but very but totally eccentric. There's but, a word I'm but looking like for. A, flamboyant. Flamboyant. Yeah. She's yeah. extremely flamboyant. Um, Tammy Faye. And she actually later, even though she was in the Assemblies of God, became a major gay rights ally and a figure following the downfall of her husband, which is like freaking sick. So good for her. Random side note, but. My grandfather, I don't know why I keep saying grandfather, I think because you say grandmother, my grandpa, um, yeah. was new Jim Baker. I, I would m- maybe say they were friends. He definitely visited him when Jim Baker was in prison. And I was actually asked to invite, I got married almost 14 years ago, I was asked to invite um, Jim Baker to my wedding. Um, they did not come. He did not come, but I did come home from my honeymoon to a giant ass poster of Jesus with the children in a gold framed, uh, frame, a gold frame. That's I crazy. guess it's just a gold frame, but I mean, we're talking, it, it was probably like three feet by three or four feet. It was huge. It was huge. I got very excited. I thought I got something fun from Target and then it turned huge. out to be that. Um, <laughs> Instead but- you got something fun from God. Uh, from God and I did so uh so side amazing. note but yeah 
Jay Baker came over to my house one time. Oh, yes. Yes. Chris anyway. has met him. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that's their son. Okay. <laughs> that's a really good one. Okay. So we already talked about Benny Hinn, Rodney Howard yeah. Brown. They're like the yeah. kings of revival. Um, when I was a kid, we would go to Carpenter's Home Church in Lakeland all the time before I ever lived there. They're like mage, mage <laughs> in the Assemblies of God. Also, though, this one's fun. Johnny yes. Cash. Yes. He was Assemblies of God. I know. You would not realize that, but I feel like there's more famous people than people realize in this little denomination called Assemblies of God. I know. And you found all kinds of amazing stuff about Johnny Cash that I never knew. Well, I saw on like um, Wikipedia's, I think where I found it, there was a whole thing about him and Curtis actually worked on like a documentary about him. So some of this I had learned as well. But I guess there was this fact about him answering an altar call at a place called Evangel Temple, which was an Assemblies of God um, congregation pastored by Jimmy Snow. So there's many random factoids and he wrote a book or something about his Christianity and his walk or whatever. But yeah, we've got some famous people in our midst in the assemblies of God. Sick, Johnny. That is sick. <laughs> okay. Um, more J's in our future. The Jonas brothers. What? I knew they were Christian. I did not know they were assemblies of God. I actually didn't know that until you put this on our list. Yeah. I didn't know until I found it on a Wikipedia. <laughs> Thanks, but like, uh, the, yeah, exactly. We appreciate you. And please, everybody donate a dollar. OK, let's yeah. keep them going. Um, but the main thing with the Jonas Brothers, like, you know, they're all about their purity rings, which is very yeah. agey. Yes, I, we, we've talked about that in our uh, getting married young or, or somewhere yeah. around there. We certainly um, did. Yes. yes, we did. Jerry Lee Lewis, the singer okay. from way back yes. when. Hot, yes. Isn't he the Great Balls of Fire or something like that? Isn't that who the Jerry I, Lee You're was? not – I'm not the person to ask that question. Fire. Okay. Well, maybe I'm wrong, <laughs> but also – Elvis Presley. Sick. Crazy. Can you imagine being in church when the Holy Ghost came and made everybody have, like, the dances? Oh, that sounds like the <laughs> best party ever. With Elvis Presley? <laughs> Are you kidding me? This is why the Pentecostal movement really had legs. It was because of Elvis Presley's hips. (laughs) Literally had legs. Yep. Yep. (laughs) Seriously. And then I don't know why we didn't end on that because the next one says Jimmy Swaggart and that's a real (laughs) letdown. Also also a major scandal. (laughs) Do you remember? Like there were so many scandals, man. There's so many. We might have to do a whole episode on this at some point. We Although have there's, to. We have to. There are, I will say there are so many good podcasts that have already been done about them, but we can put our own spin on But are they something. us, Brittany? I know. <laughs> They're not. <laughs> They're not what the hell. Well, I think the fun thing is just being, like, having been, you know, we were preacher's kids growing up and, like, hearing about those scandals and, like, the Jimmy Swaggart thing. I remember it happening and my parents talking about it around me, but, like, not to me. And then, mm. like, when I would be around them being like... We can't talk about this. We can't I totally, talk about this. Yeah, totally. You know? I feel like that's my, I feel like I've learned all of these stories in like the last five years from podcasts and I'm just yeah. constantly like, did everybody else know and I just <laughs> didn't know? How am I only finding out about this now? This well, is they so were trying to protect us. Yeah. They were trying to protect us because Jimmy Swagger was a major name in my household growing up, but they would yeah. not like, you yeah. know, they would like it's pray like, for him. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) They're not going to tell you what happened, but you go pray for him. You go pray for him. Oh, my God. Okay, and then the last one, just an honorable mention I'm going to give over here. Oh, go for it. Is my mother. (laughs) My mom has worked for the Peninsular Florida District Council of the Assemblies of God 
since 1998. She has been there for 22 years. Wow. She always wanted to work there, and she always was supporting, you know, she was involved with my dad's ministry, and she was always supporting that, and my mom was always, you know, running stuff at the churches and, like, whatever, the church secretary and all this kind of stuff, but then when my dad was leaving the church in Key West, she wanted more than anything to work at the Peninsular Florida District Council of the Assemblies of God. And you know what she did? She went and she did that. And she's been there for 22 years. And I'm hoping that she will have retirement in her future because she deserves that. She's worked every day of my life. And um, she's really, really proud of her work. That's amazing. Yeah. And she's been involved in a lot of the different types of ministries there. So it's really funny. But for a long time, she's been involved with the adult men's ministry. Oh, yeah. <laughs> where she runs like, you know, all of their events and their gatherings and stuff. And she's just really, really proud of her work. And I'm really proud of her that she did what she wanted to do. So, yeah. Honorable Go mention mama. to Brenda. Yes. Love it. <laughs> yes. No, I love it. This has been yeah. fun. Yeah. I mean, it's been in my family for a very long time. I'm not sure how far back it goes, but at least a hundred years. Yes, at least a hundred years. Most, at maximum. Well, I was gonna years. say I I know it's my you know my dad and then his dad and then his dad are were all involved in things. So it's been it's quite quite far back, uh, the yeah. ministry line. So, and I'm doing you know doing my part to continue that <laughs> right down the line, right. <laughs> I know. I'm like, do not again. Becca even know the name of like they, they don't. The, no, they don't. No, okay. I don't think they would even know what Assemblies of God is. But that's okay. That um, is and okay. we're gonna get to fill you in on all those juicy details of what we believe or don't believe next time. So thanks for hanging in there with us as we went through all of these different definitions, details facts all of the above Um, yeah and I think it's obviously a little late in the episode to say this but if you've ever been curious about just Pentecostalism in general this is one organization within Pentecostalism but it'll give you kind of an overview into that situation as a whole and if you know anybody and you've been curious maybe this will answer some questions yeah and um yeah if you didn't know now you know well we will see you in two weeks with some very good stories um juicy details and you'll just have to wait to find out the rest of it totally be safe wear a mask wash your hands and stay your distance. I like that. Yeah. Stay. I've been a uh, stay. Stay away. <laughs> um, just a, also another reminder. We said this at the top, but but yeah, we've been recording these all remotely. So I have not gotten to stare at my best friend while recording <laughs> these for quite a while. Since like March. I know. It's crazy. It is so. crazy. It's sad. But we're here for the long haul. So we'll be back with the good stuff. We've been putting it off too long. We're ready to do it. Ready to do it. Jumping, we are. jumping in the deep end. We are. So, well, I've been Brittany. And I have been Tiffany. And we will see you in two weeks. <laughs> Bye. Bye. Did we just harmonize? <laughs> <laughs>